Pasa Mufasa, Salam Aleikum, Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Mycopreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Walker. Today we've got the chairman, president, and chief executive officer of Celos Therapeutics, Dr. Raj Mera, on the podcast. So massive unmet need, not only in the U.S., but we saw the same issues in Europe, and Asia is worse than the Western world. So we thought ketamine is an ideal drug. So far, we don't see any other drug that'll come close to ketamine's effect sizes that we have shown after a single dose, both antidepressive and antisuicidal. So as a result, we are not only going to finish the current study that's pivotal uh, in the U.S., but we are already planning on doing a global study. Dr. Mera has a background as a hedge fund manager and draws from a deep well of professional experience managing private and public equity investments in global healthcare companies. And today, he's going to break down some of the ongoing clinical trials that Celos Therapeutics is involved with regarding their intranasal racemic ketamine treatment for patients with acute suicidal ideation and behavior, as well as speak about the patenting strategy that Celos Therapeutics is employing en route to market and much, much more. Dr. Mera is an extremely insightful individual who does an outstanding job of demystifying some of the intricacies of the path that a psychedelic substance undergoes en route to FDA approval and delivery to market. So without further ado, let's hear what Dr. Raj Mera of Celos Therapeutics has to say. Okay, Pasa Mufasa. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Dr. Raj Mera to the Mycopreneur Podcast. It's a pleasure to host you. Raj is the founder of Silos Therapeutics, and we're looking forward to diving into a dialogue with you today. So how's everything in your corner of the world today, Dr. Raj? Dennis, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. This is a real pleasure, and I'm looking forward to a really meaningful dialogue on, uh, on this topic. So thank you for having us. Sure. And let's start off with the guiding vision of Celos Therapeutics. You've got a background as a hedge fund manager. You've got a lot of experience in that world. And you've joined the rapidly developing psychedelics industry and psychedelic medicines and assisted therapies. But I'm curious about your why. What is it about this space and about this potential project you're involved with that is worthy of your time and attention when there are so many other things you could be doing? Thank you, Dennis, for that. Just in terms of my background, mostly PhD, JD, MBA from Columbia, and 25 plus years of investing in in, uh, companies, uh, in the biotech companies, where I invested both public and private uh, companies, as well as sat on the board of many companies. Some of the lessons learned from uh, there were finding a product that is already beyond scientific experiments. There are a lot of scientific experiments that are going on in biotech. So we wanted to focus on products that are already shown human potential as a therapeutic product. And we also wanted to work on indications that are high unmet need, uh, not necessarily just a me too product. And ketamine actually is a classic product that fits into that niche. Apart from ketamine, that's we are focused on uh, for indication imminent suicidality and major depression. We have other drugs in the pipeline that are more uh, CNS or neurological disorders. So we have a uh, currently also going a trial with non-ketamine product in ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. We're doing a pivotal study, and that data should be available sometime second half of next year. And then on, uh, on top of that, we are also doing a global pivotal study in spinocerebellar ataxia, 
that's another neurological disease where there's nothing approved. And, uh, and on top of that, we also have a CRISPR product for Parkinson's disease. That's not in human studies yet. We are still in preclinical. Uh, but our lead program uh, continues to be intranasal ketamine, focus in imminent suicidality and major depression. We were shocked to learn there's no drugs approved for imminent suicidality or suicidality in general, not only in the U.S., but worldwide. So, and, and there were millions of patients that were showing up in the emergency room, both here in the U.S. and elsewhere, where they tried to end their lives. And currently, there is no drug approved. So these patients are, the moment they know that uh, this, uh, these patients were suicidal, they will not be allowed, generally speaking, to walk out of the uh, emergency room. They'll be kept in the hospital from, um, depending on the severity of the suicidality, for almost a week, and uh, and then released. And with no drugs approved, we thought that was the right indication. So that was the kernel that uh, made us found Celos Therapeutics. Sure. And one of the critically underserved capacities of our healthcare system is the national shortage of psychiatric beds which is estimated to be in the six-figure range right now. And we all know we have an overburdened healthcare system at the moment. So how does the treatment protocol that Celos Therapeutics is developing aim to mitigate some of the pressure on our overburdened emergency care departments in the United States? So not only the system is overburdened, uh, it's a, a massive cost to the society. An average person, who, a suicidal person that's kept in the hospital is costing $43,500 per person. And, and the tragic thing is since there is no drug approved for these patients who are in the hospital, we're not really treating their underlying disorder. All we are doing is kind of, quote unquote, incarcerating them in a hospital setting, stabilizing them from their recent um, you know, episodes, and then release them and follow them for another one week in an outpatient setting since we have not truly addressed their underlying neurological disorder, um, these patients will try those acts again and and again. So that's a tremendous burden to the entire system. And if you look at it, the number of patients that are coming in and presenting themselves from this suicide is almost like one and a half million patients in the emergency room. That's a staggering number for, uh, and, and this has been going on for years. And we have seen it from the past. In 2008, when there was a financial meltdown uh, worldwide, post that meltdown, we saw a tremendous uptick in these um, mental illnesses related, including suicidality disorders. And we believe the post-COVID will probably end up with the same number. So we need a drug that really addresses that. And ketamine so far, and we will go, uh, go into this uh, in details, is a, an amazing um, product because A, the uh, effect sizes are very immediate. And remember, these patients are eminently suicidal, almost on a ledge, and you need a drug that works right away. Plus, on top of that, um, you know, um, the effect sizes are so far, um, that we have shown in the open labor are very profound. Uh, so to the extent we can release these patients rather than being kept or uh, in the hospital, 
where there is a tremendous want of psych, uh, psychiatric beds, as you alluded. That's in itself is a uh, you know um, good thing. Plus, on the other hand, if we can show efficacy where these patients post discharge after they finish our whole um, you know two weeks treatment, that they are less suicidal or uh, less depressed. Uh, that's a tremendous you know in our mind saving a soul uh, from going on these acts of ending their life. That in itself is going to be on top of uh, everything we are doing pharmaceutically. That in itself is going to be a boon to the society, and we feel good about that indication. And it's my understanding that one of the reasons ketamine specifically is being looked at by so many different organizations in this space is because of its safety profile. And I understand that it was actually used as a field anesthetic for soldiers during the Vietnam War because of this safety profile. So can you talk a little bit about why ketamine is perhaps a better choice for treatment and about the safety profile of it and the ecosystem of other treatments and molecules that are available? So we will first add the caveat because this is an investigational molecule and we are still uh, doing the studies. So, so far we have the data in 104 subjects, healthy volunteers. The ketamine is only approved in an IV format for single use as anesthesia. This was the first time in the suicidality we are taking a multiple use of ketamine, uh, not a, just a single use. So we wanted to establish the safety first in the healthy volunteers, and we did that. In 104 subjects, we saw uh, four different doses. We uh, used 30, 60, 75, and 90 milligram, and they were all shown to be safe and well-tolerated. Ketamine has a well-known side effects that are attached to it, why this was not widely used, and uh, specifically the dissociation effect as well as the sedation effect that were prominently displayed. And what we have shown so far in the healthy volunteer study, plus the 17 patients that were suicidal in the uh, open-label study, we have shown that this, both the sedation and dissociations are subdued, primarily driven by the way we deliver our drug intranasally. And we can go into it in a uh, you know, separate question to give you the scientific underpinnings of that. So you still feel like it's a ketamine, but the side effects are very subdued, and that translates into we getting the approval from the FDA to do a pivotal study that we are doing now, which is a double-blinded uh, placebo-controlled study, and we will have the data out in the first half of next year. Wonderful. Thank you. Let's dive into some of the advantages of the intranasal delivery system, because there are numerous different ways that somebody can take ketamine, right? There's sublingual delivery and there's various other formats, intravenous. Why in particular do you feel that intranasal is the most effective route of administration for ketamine? So first of all, ketamine IV use that's the only use that's approved right now in the, in the U.S. is very cumbersome. So the patients will have to, every time they need a second dose, they have to go back into the clinicians and hospital setting. So having a uh, intranasal delivery product, which is what we are working on, will eliminate that burden. So the patients can be easily given, even in a non-clinician setting, uh, but in the psychiatric setting, they don't necessarily need a hospital where the drug can be delivered. What we found was um, that intranasal delivery has a s advantages both in efficacy and in uh, uh, safety versus the IV format that's currently being used. And this has to uh, you know, uh, be explained in a uh, scientific way. 
whenever a drug is given to human, like ketamine, it immediately, the human's body will break it down into uh, metabolites. For ketamine, it's two well-known metabolites that are stable enough to be measured. It's uh, norketamine and hydroxynorketamine. And so far, the preclinical data shows the following, that those two metabolites do not have the same um, side effects of the parent ketamine, so they don't have that much of a dissociative property. However, the metabolites are responsible for almost 60% of the efficacy of the parent. When the drug is given IV ketamine, you have parent to metabolite ratio is one to one. However, when you deliver the drug through the intranasal device, the opposite happens. You get more metabolites, almost two to three X more metabolites than the parent. And the advantages, uh, you know, are, uh, you know, there in, uh, you know, uh, accrue because the two to three X of extra metabolites gives you better efficacy than you will get from an equivalent IV dose. And more importantly, because the metabolites don't have the same side effects as the parent ketamine, you get a subdued side effect. So you still get, it, it feels like you, you received the ketamine, but it, this is not your parent's ketamine. So you are getting a very subdued, and that was the mode around which we created an, uh, our intellectual property patent, because otherwise the ketamine is a genetic, uh, uh, but the method claim that we found was very unusual, higher efficacy, better safety than your, um, compared to the IV ketamine, yet at the same time, ease of delivery, because it's just a nasal spray. Awesome. Thank you very much for that breakdown and clarifying it. And I'd love to jump into some of the fundamental and functional differences between S-ketamine and R-ketamine, because I think to people outside of the particular you know, clinical studies and this and that, they just see it as ketamine, but there are clearly differences between them. And what better person you know, to explain some of the critical differentiations between S-ketamine and R-ketamine than yourself? So can you please dive into that a little bit? An excellent question. Those S-ketamine and R-ketamine, which is called racemic ketamine, they're differentiated product, not because we say so, but just because the FDA believes and treats them differently and the science behind it shows different effects. And this is, has been shown in other products as well, where an isolated enantiomer, which is what an S or R isomer is, versus the racemic mixture, which is a 50-50 equal uh, mixture of S and R, they are all treated separately as a different compounds. Based on the science, this is how FDA treats them. Coming back to S-ketamine, in 2010, when S-ketamine was being developed as an antidepressive, there was not much known how the ketamine works as an antidepressive other than that there was a well-known receptor, NMDA receptor, which S-ketamine blocks it. That was the only uh, method known that ketamine was, was going to block the NMDA receptor and show its antidepressive activity. And S-ketamine was more potent in blocking NMDA than racemic ketamine, our compound, hence S-ketamine was developed uh, first. Later on in 2016, more research done in National Institute of Mental Health clearly showed the following. They did four different models of depression, preclinical models, and they did head-to-head -head study between S-ketamine and racemic ketamine. And what they found was racemic ketamine has a longer-lasting, profound efficacy as antidepressant versus S-ketamine was shown to be short-acting antidepressant. Uh, drug. 
And now that that uh, you know a point of view has already been validated by a lot of clinical data. So, for example, our uh, racemic ketamine, when we gave it to 17 patients in imminent suicidality with depression, the effect sizes that you saw, both on the antidepressant and as an anti-suicidal drug, were dramatically higher than esketamine has ever shown. And more importantly, esketamine has, is not approved in suicidality endpoints because they failed primarily for the reasons that I just articulated, that it's a short-acting drug. So in other words, the semen ketamine that we are working on is the right drug to be given for uh, anti-suicidality. So when we discussed uh, with the FDA uh, this indication, which was acute imminent suicidality uh, in uh, major depression, they wanted a very specific effect. They wanted to capture the drug's effect both as antidepressant uh, drug and anti-suicidal drug after a single dose on day one. That's a huge task. Remember, almost all the antidepressants that are currently approved, and if you go to the FDA side, you will see what they claim, that most antidepressants show their effect as an antidepressant six to eight weeks it takes them before you show the full effect. And that effect is shown in 40 to 50% of the time. Here, given the fact that we were focused on patients who are coming into the emergency room and they try to end their lives, so they are imminently suicidal, they wanted us to show the antidepressant effect after one day, one week, I mean, one dose versus most of the drugs shows after six weeks. So that was one. And on top of that, they also show, wanted us to show simultaneously anti-suicidal effect as well. So it was a high hurdle, but we thought ketamine is so unique in terms of rapid, so it works right away, and profound effect. When we did our 17 patients open label data, so we captured its effect on the antidepressive drug after five doses over two weeks, so the dosing, dosing is twice weekly, 100% responses on antidepressant drug. That was, scale was, that was very impressive. On top of that, the anti-suicidal scales, we were able to bring the uh, patients on to a normal. Uh, the scale was between one to five, five being extremely suicidal and one being normal we were able to bring patients to one after five doses. So that kind of 100% responses, both on anti-suicidal and anti-depressive scales, were unprecedented. And in terms of the kind of patients that we are focused on, you have almost 20 million patients in the US that are suffering from major depression. Sooner or later, if their major depression is not treated, they will start to think or ideate about suicide. That's 10 to 12 million of that subset of 20 million. Uh, so 10 to 12 million will get suicide ideation. And once they are continuing on this path, thinking about suicide, they will sooner or later attach a behavior or a plan how to end their lives. So further subset of that 10 to 12 million patients is three and a half million patients that suffer from suicide ideation behavior and one and a half million of them will actually act on those plans, how to end their lives, and they will show up in the emergency room if they are unsuccessful. So their family and friends will catch them and they'll bring it in. So massive unmet need, 
not only in the U.S., but we saw the same issues in Europe, and Asia is worse than uh, the Western world. So uh, we thought, you know, uh, ketamine is an ideal, uh, you know, uh, drug. So far, we don't see any other drug that'll come close to ketamine's effect sizes that we have shown after a single dose, both antidepressive and anti-suicidal. So as a result, we are not only going to finish the current study that's pivotal uh, in the U.S., it'll the data first half of next year, but we are already planning on doing a global study. Uh, the second study will be global study for uh, that'll include Asian and um, European population as well, because we think that uh, this need is uh, worldwide. Sure. And you've got some wonderful intellectual property that you're developing and you have a lot of experience, right, as a hedge fund manager. So I'm curious to know a little bit about some of your patenting strategy insofar as much as you can divulge about that. So once uh, a drug has been, uh, you know, uh, used in the industry for a long time, so you don't have a composition of matter patents available. Okay. So, uh, however, so the only patents that are available are either formulation claims or the method claims. And, and, and we have both. The way we formulated our drug and delivered in, intranasally, you get a very unusual finding. Why should a drug given IV versus intranasal should have a, such dramatic differences in terms of efficacy and side effects? That unusual finding is the uh, main underpinning of our int, uh, intranasal delivery and our patents uh, when issued will go up to 2041. Great, thank you for diving into that a little bit. And I suppose I only have one more question for you today, which is what is the timeline that we're looking at here for delivery to market in a, you know, let's say an ideal or an optimized setting? And also what can us outsiders and us you know, onlookers uh, be looking forward to out of Celos Therapeutics over the next weeks, months, and coming years? Good question. So first on the ketamine's timeline, and then we'll talk about Celos Therapeutics timeline. In terms of the ketamine study, because this study is registrational, um, which means it'll be one of the two studies that the FDA generally looks for before they approve a drug. So we will have that data in the first half of next year. Um, so that's going to be a pivotal study and pivotal data for this huge unmet need. There is nothing else available. And then it'll be up to the FDA, and the FDA has in, within their discretion, if this data is robust enough that they can either approve the drug based on the single study, it's uh, their discretion, or require a second study. So if they approve us um, based on the first study, um, then uh, our approval will be the following year because it takes time to you know uh, collect the NDA application, submit it, and they will uh, you know then consider it for approval. However, if they uh, want a second study, which we are already planning for global uh, you know, uh, uh, filing, uh, then it'll take another two years before we uh, go for approval for this indication. And on top of that for CELOs, other than this data that'll be coming out for suicidality in first half, we also will have a pivotal data from the ALS study that is being currently done uh, through Healy at Mass General in, uh, at Harvard that will be 160 patients data sometime in the second half. Right now, we're thinking October timeframe next year. Uh, so that'll be big as well. There's a huge unmet need. Um, and, and then the third study we are doing is the ataxia study that I alluded to earlier. That data will not be out till end of 24 or early 25. 
So those are the three big programs. And plus, we also have the CRISPR data will be coming out sometime um, uh, before Christmas this year uh, for Parkinson's. So, uh, so we got multiple programs and we are looking forward to just executing on those. Dr. Raj Mehra of Silos Therapeutics, thank you so much for joining us on the Micropreneur Podcast. And we wish you continued good fortune and prosperity on your trajectory forward. Dennis, thank you for those words. And we wish you uh, well as well on your podcast because we think it's really uh, very informative. So thank you for having us. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many micropreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the microverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at Micopreneur Podcast. That's the handle. Don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Micopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Micopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Micopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode. And also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Micopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.